Good morning, church. We're going to start a new series of lessons this morning called Friends. So you see behind me a uh, little representation of, of, the, of the set of friends. We have an orange couch up here and some artwork hanging on the walls that actually uh, are copies of artwork that, that hung in the, in the uh, television program. Uh, so we just kind of set this up to kind of get you in the, in the mental mindset of friends. I want everybody to say friends. Friends, we're going to talk about friends, so hopefully when you see the orange couch or you see uh, this kind of stuff, it just kind of, it kind of draws you in. We want you to be comfortable here. We want you to enjoy your time here, and most of all, we want you to make a connection here that's life-changing. So it's, it's our goal as a church to help people to make those kind of changes, that, that, that those kind of life changes that result in uh, the experience of the abundant life that Jesus talked about in John, the 10th chapter. So, uh, you know, when I just, just kind of ask the question, because that may be in some of your thought processes, why would we take the time in a church setting to talk about something as common as friends? Many times we don't think of uh, friendships as a spiritual thing. We think of friendships as, as just a social activity. Uh, it, it's something that somebody that we can enjoy time with, you know, but God's not really about enjoyment. God's just really about, you know, being serious and being spiritual on all those kind of things. That was supposed to be a joke. Some of you didn't get it. Ha, ha, ha. Thank you very much. Okay, so many times we divorce spirituality from friendship and fun. The reality is that God is a fun guy to hang out with. God is a fun guy to hang out with. And, and, and if we have the attitude uh, toward God or, or toward the things of God or even have the attitude toward spirituality that is just all really spiritual, really, you know, this deeply spiritual thing going on, you're going to miss half of your relationship with God if all you expect is for him to yell at you or tell you how to do something differently. God loves you, and he cares about you. He cares about you right where you are. He, he loves you right where you are, and he wants to help you engage in life, praise God. So, so we want to divorce our, our, our mindset from the, from the thought process of God's just a mean old man up there waiting with a fly sweater in his hand for me to mess up so he can, you know, slap me down or something. And we need to realize that God, God loves me. I, I, uh, for me, as I grew in my relationship with the Lord, I found out that, that God has a sense of humor. And, and uh, that God would even talk to me at times. And God kids around with me sometimes. I mean, God's a funny guy. And if you learn to listen to the voice of God, you'll, you'll, find, him, you'll find him saying stuff or directing you or leading you in ways that are, that are fun and that are enjoyable. How many of you would like to have a relationship with God that had some enjoyment in it? instead of dread, you know? And, and so we need, to, we need to embrace that thought process. And a part of that thought process is that Jesus engages with us, God engages with each one of us, or desires to engage with each one of us, and the church is a reflection of Jesus in the earth. Jesus and his disciples had fun. I don't have any, you know, they enjoyed one another. They enjoyed one another's company. And, and so, so we, need to, we need to be the kind of church or the kind of people who take on the fun side of spirituality and enjoy ourselves, praise God. A lot of the things that we do around here, why do we, why do, we do lobby life? Uh, why do we hand out candy or cookies or ice cream or I don't know what else have we done uh, after service at times? Why do we do those things? Because we want you to make friends. We don't want you to feel like you're alone. Many times, life, uh, life isn't always fun. How many of you could say amen? Sometimes life has some struggles, some hard things go on. But, but friends and our relationship with God is about us 
uh, engaging in a way and experiencing the life that God has for us in a way that's beyond just, uh, j- just you know, stop doing this and stop doing that. But, but really, it's a, it's a process of enjoyment. If you have friends, do you enjoy them? You guys, I can see, are still worried about this. Do you enjoy your friends or do you just put up with them, right? Do you, do, you, do you think, oh, golly, we've got to go be with those people and I can't stand them, you know, we've got to have dinner with them and then we've got to do this? No, our friendship is about, is about enjoying. It's about learning to enjoy one another. And we need to learn not only to enjoy one another, but to enjoy our relationship with God. So why are we talking about something that's, that's, that, that, that some people might think is just this deep? Because the reality is that that God has placed friends in your life and God gives us friendships to help us grow more spiritually, to help us ask good questions about our lives, to help us develop our responses, to help us understand Scripture better. How many of you know you don't have it all figured out? God's placed gifts in the people around you. And it's when you engage with those people that God can really begin to show you some things through your friends, praise God. So, so we, went to, we want to encourage you to, uh, to move forward into that. The mission of Abundant Life is to equip people to experience the life that God wants them to have. God wants you to have a fun life. God wants you to have an enjoyable life. He didn't put you here just to survive and, and make it through and, and dig your way through until you get to die and go to heaven. No, he wants you to enjoy your time here. He wants you, he wants you to enjoy life. Jesus said, I have come that they might have a, a full and abundant life. And God wants you to have a full and abundant life. And a full and abundant life includes things like friends. So today, we're going to talk about the value of friends. The value of friends. Everybody, can everybody say that with me? The value of friends. Is there such a thing as value in friendship? And the reason I want to talk about this is because I'm going to talk over the next few weeks. We're going to show some, we're going to, we're going to show some clips from the, from, the, from the TV series Friends. We're going, to, we're going to use those people in that situation as examples of how to make good life choices or in mostly how to make bad life choices, to be honest with you, because that's kind of the, 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 the show, Friends, is, is a comedy, so it's all about people making stupid life choices and then trying to figure out, you know, how to dig themselves out of those things. So we can learn something from that, because somebody close to you, somebody probably sitting by your side right now has made some stupid decisions, right? Okay, and, and so, so we, 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 we're going to learn how to grow through those and how to, how to depend upon friends, how to have dependable friendships, there's, there's, uh, there's some things we're going to learn over the next few weeks about developing friends, how to have true friends, the way that really looks when you are truly a valuable friend. What does that mean? And so, so I want to start today by talking to you a little bit about uh, why we do what we do. Why we do what we do. Why is it important for you to develop friendships? Why is it important for you to have deeper friendships? Why is it important for you to develop communication skills? Donna and I, uh, when we first got married, we would, we would go and see her parents, and then we would, we would leave, and we, just, we didn't really enjoy our time with her parents uh, very much because, you know, they would, they, we didn't have anything in common with them. There was no commonality there, really. I mean, they were, they, you know, she grew up with, with her parents, obviously, but, but their lives were going on a different course from ours. Donna uh, came from a, part, a partying-type family, and, and she married a preacher, so they were all a little bit concerned about that right up front. And so, so uh, 
Donna was talking to her sister one time after we had gone to, a, to, her, week, her, to her parents' weekend for a miserable weekend. And, uh, and, and her sister said, uh, you know, you don't really talk to, talk to the folks anymore. You don't, you don't have conversations with them. You don't talk to them about, about your life. And Donna said, well, we're really not into that small talk stuff very much. And Donna's sister said a very profound thing to us. Maybe you should learn that. Maybe you should figure that out. How to have small talk. How to open conversations. How to have conversations with people that, that lead to deeper discussions and some of those kind of things. So, so we're going to talk about some of those things. But before we do that, I want you to, I want you to realize this. Friendship is work. Friendship is work, and, 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 it, and it takes energy, and it takes thought processes. So we're going to talk about that work, that, that, deve- that development of friends that happens through work and communication skills and some of those kind of things over the next few weeks. But first, I want you to, fig- I want you to realize that friendship has value. Why should I put this effort into it? Why don't I just stay home and uh, watch television or uh, watch something on my computer or listen to podcasts or listen to music? Or play, play video games, you know, with my friends in Germany, you know, who, who, who I have such deep and meaningful relationships with. Why, why don't I just do that instead? Because that whole friendship thing, you know, it's about not doing what I want to do. It's about doing stuff that other people want to do. And I just want to stay home. And I, can, I totally get that because I'm, I am kind of an introvert. And, uh, you know, sometimes Donna and I will be, will be uh, sitting at the house and we've had a, what I think is a really enjoyable evening together. And Donna will say... Are you mad about something? I'm like, what? What are you talking? Why would I be mad about something? She said, she'll say, wait, you haven't said anything all evening. I was like, but I've been here, right? I'm not somewhere else. I'm sitting in the same room with you. You're reading a book. I'm reading something on the computer. You're watching a basketball game. I'm reading something on the computer. You're, you know, talking to people on the phone. I'm reading stuff on the computer. Uh, so, so, uh, so, so, so what's, what's the deal? What's the deal? Well, the reality is for me to just sit and quietly enjoy the fact that we're in the same room together. It's great, but that's not great in Donna's scale of what, what life should all be about. So we have to, we have to make some choices in life. Um, Donna and I are actually going to start a small group tonight called love and uh, respect that, that, that's about making those kind of choices and, and growing together in, in relationships. So we uh, invite you, everybody, to come out and come out and go through that with us. But we, we, need, to, we need to develop that. Okay, so friendship has value. And if you're going to put the work in, then, then you kind of have to think, I'm, there's going to be an outcome from this thing, you know. If I'm going to get out, if I'm going to get out of my apartment, or if I'm going to get out of my of my living room, if I'm going to get away from in front of my television and go do stuff with people, I want something good to come out of it, because it's work. You know, I have to have conversations with people, and, and you know what's going to come out of that. Uh, one of the most thorough research projects on relationships was called the Alameda County Study. It was headed by a Harvard social scientist, and it tracked the lives of 7,000 people over nine years. And researchers found that the most isolated people were three times more likely to die. Were three times more likely to die than those with strong relational connections. In other words, friendship makes you live longer. Friendship makes you live longer. People who had bad health habits, smoking, poor eating habits, obesity or alcohol use, but strong social ties live significantly longer 
than people who had great health habits but lived in isolation. Friendship has value. I mean, even on the, on the scientific scale, they can say, you know, if you have friends, it's going to make you uh, live longer. Another study was reported in the Journal of the American Medical Association. And in that study, 276 volunteers were infected with a virus that produces the common cold. I read another article that said they actually put nose drops with, with rhinovirus in the nose drops. So they, so they did that. You know, because friends do that. They give each other common colds and stuff like that sometimes. But uh, 276 people were infected with a virus that produces the common cold. The study found that people with strong emotional connections did four times better fighting off illness than those who were isolated. The peop th these people, in response to the viruses, those with more types of social ties, were less susceptible to the common cold, produced less mucus. I know that's exciting for you. They were more effective, the study showed, in the clearance of their nasal passages, and they shed less viruses than people who weren't in close relationships. The study found that smoking, poor sleep quality, low dietary intake of vitamin C, and uh, elevated catecholamine levels, and I have no clue what that is, uh, and were introverted. The study found that smoking, poor sleep quality, people with low dietary intake of vitamin C, those elevated levels, and, and that were introverted were all associated with greater susceptibility to cold. Having friends can be better than vitamin C. Having friends can be better than getting the right amount of sleep. Sometimes, you know, you just have to miss a little sleep to, to do that. Harvard researcher Robert Putman notes that if you belong to no groups but decide to join one, you cut your risk of dying over the next year and a half. Does friendship have value? It does. One pastor stated, it's better to eat Twinkies with good friends than to eat broccoli alone. So, you know, that's just one of those things you need to connect with. Better to eat Twinkies with friends than eat broccoli alone. Uh, just think about that. It's deep. I know. Um, well, it's true these statistics don't reflect the greatest values of friendship. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about friendship building strategies and some of those things. And we want you to, um, to think about and realize that the reason we're talking to you is because there are benefits that come from friendship. Not only are there physical benefits, as proved by studies, but there are also spiritual benefits, and there are um, psychological benefits, emotional benefits to developing friends, and we want you to grow in those ways. So today I want to talk to you, as I said, about putting in effort and work into building friendship and why it's important. We're going to start out by reading Ecclesiastes in the book of Ecclesiastes. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open your Bible up to, to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. We're going to start reading at verse 8, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 8. And it says, this is the case of a man who is all alone. This is the case of a man who is all alone. Somebody who's, who's living uh, isol in isolation. This is the case of a man who's all alone or living in isolation with, they didn't have, without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. He works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. The, the Hebrew inference here is that he's making huge investments. This man is making huge investments, but he's, but he's living in isolation. This person is making investments for his future. He's saving money. He's, he's investing in the right stocks. 
He's, he's, got, he's got money in the bank. Everything's going well for him financially he's, because he's working really hard on it. It says, but then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up pleasure now? Why am I, why am I putting those things aside and, and, and going after stuff? It is all so meaningless and depressing. It's one of the reasons that we, that we as Christians love uh, the writings of Solomon so much because Solomon is so uh, depressing, uh, especially the book of Ecclesiastes. So it's, he says it's all meaningless and depressing. What's meaningless and depressing? Living your life for what the world calls wealth. Making investments, making all your investments and, and, and all of your, putting all of your energy towards what, uh, what pleasures wealth can afford. Verse 9 says, two people are better off than one. I want you to think about this because we often hear this scripture referred to within, within the wedding, uh, within, within the circumstances of a wedding and marriage ceremonies. People talk about this. Two people are better off than one. But the context of Ecclesiastes is not about marriage. While those things may be true concerning marriage, because as I said, it's good if you're married to somebody you like. Uh, so so it, 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 it works within the context of marriage, but it wasn't given within the context of marriage. It's two people are better off than one. Well, according to the scripture before that, that other person may be your brother or it may be your child. Okay, So two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. Two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. How many of you want to succeed in life? You know, so often we say, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. We think all I have to do is pray and pray and pray because God has a future and a hope for me. But the reality is that because God has a future and a hope for you, when you pray, he's going to provide you with some instruction. He's going to provide you with some insight. He's going to provide you with some wisdom. He's going to align you with the, with the blessedness of his kingdom and putting his will into place in your life so that your life can have a successful outcome. Prayer alone will not cause you to succeed. Reading the word alone will not cause you to succeed. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You'll meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do what's written in it. For then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. Prosperity and good success doesn't come from just praying or just reading scripture. Prosperity and good success comes from putting into practice what you learn in prayer and what you learn through scripture. It's when we begin to apply scripture. Why? Because knowledge in and of itself is not going to cause you to prosper or experience success. You can be brilliant and still die in stupidity because you didn't put into practice what it was that you learned along the way. You can know everything anybody's ever written down but die alone with millions of dollars in the bank and die in poverty. Two people are better off than one. Why? Because if you have a friend, if you have someone you're walking with, they can help you succeed. The value of investing in friendship is the open door to success that that friendship will supply, praise God. It's as we begin to, we begin to make the effort and step forward and, and say, I want to have 
a friend. I want to have friends because of what my friends can say to me, what they can see about my life. We had a, had a talk with, with uh, I had a talk with about three people this week about blind spots. Blind spots are things that, that are, are maybe in your life that you don't, that you don't know and that you don't recognize. And, and the reason that you develop friendships is so that people can say to you, hey, you're really messing up here, Matthew. You're really messing up here, and you need to fix this thing. You don't see this. You don't see this problem. You don't see what's going on here. But if you see it, you can deal with it. If you're blind to it and you never deal with it, it's going to hold you captive for the rest of your life. But if you make some decisions and you make some changes and you change what's going on, how do you find those blind spots? Well, one of the principal ways you find those blind spots is through friends. Why? Because if you have true friends, they don't just tell you what you want to hear. Many times they tell you what you don't want to hear. Because what you're doing is holding you in bondage, and God wants you to experience freedom. And when you change what you're doing that's holding you in bondage, then true freedom can really occur. Jesus said this, recorded uh, by, by John the Apostle, You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Many times we think of that, and we think, well, if I just know the truth, that's good. But that, but that word know is epinosis in the Greek, and it means to know by experience. You shall know the truth by experience. Well, what if I memorize the Bible? Well, that's great. But what you need to do is meditate on what Scripture says so you can make application of Scripture in your life. Why? Because it's the application you make that's going to provide freedom. It's not knowledge of the truth that provides freedom. It's experiential knowledge of truth, truth that you've put in practice that provides freedom. So we've got to be people who, who make decisions to do those kind of things. And, and, and what we're talking about here in the realm of friendship and, and, and getting with someone else is that it opens up a door for success to be, to be provided in our lives. And if we respond in the right way, our friends will help us succeed and not hold us back. We're going to talk about that more in a, in a couple of weeks. Verse 10 says, if one person falls, the other one can reach out and help. If one person falls, the other one can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer Three are even better for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. And as I said, just remember this. This, is not, this. this passage was not written in the context of marriage. It was written in the context of friendship, of a brother, a child, someone you can have in your life that will make a difference, that will help you to experience life the way that you want to experience life. When we stand in, in solitude, we don't have friends. We don't have people speaking in their lives. We often make mistakes that are destructive. But if we have godly friendships, if we develop godly friendships, they will have great value for our life, for our lives, praise God. And they will provide opportunities for people to speak into our lives and cause blessing to come. Ecclesiastes 4.9 again says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. Anybody want some help, help in success? Okay, in just a few minutes, we're going we're gonna to dismiss and we're going to have lobby life. If when we, when we dismiss for lobby life and you run to the parking lot 
because church is over and I can go do what I want to now, and you don't invest in developing friendship, then you really don't get what Ecclesiastes 4.9 means. God does, doesn't want you to just exist. He wants you to succeed in life. And success in life comes from saying, I'm not going to do what I feel like doing all the time. I'm not going to do what I want to do all the time. I'm, gonna, I'm going to invest myself. I'm going to meet somebody I didn't know. Many times we'll even say on Sunday mornings, you know, have that, we have that little uh, moment to meet and greet. Find somebody you've never talked to before and go talk to them. Now, for me, personally, because I'm an introvert, that's like a turtle. You know, I, I just become, you know, I've got I've to pull myself back in that shell. I don't want to talk to anybody I've never talked to before. I don't want to shake anybody's hands that I haven't met. You know, if I haven't known them for a couple of years, I really don't even want to get within a couple of feet of them. That's, that's where, that's where I, I exist emotionally, right? But I have, to make it, I have to make choices in my life to not live that way. Why? Because within that life prospect is disease and sickness and solidarity and aloneness. So I've got to make a decision. I'm not going to live in that. So after church today, because you guys are all so spiritual, you're going to go out and eat cookies. Uh, it's better to eat, eat uh, Twinkies with a friend than it is to eat broccoli alone. Uh, we're going to have cookies. We're going to have coffee out there. We have some chocolates out there, and we probably have some carrots for those of you who just want to munch a carrot or, or chew on a piece of apple or something like that, you know. Uh, if, if, if worse comes to worse, my dog loves paper. So we'll just hand out some paper and let you chew paper while you talk to people because he has found that so enjoyable. And uh, he, he has a, uh, we have a dog named Winston. And just because I'm developing friendship with you, I'll tell you, tell you for a minute about Winston. Uh, Winston loves to sit on my lap. And I, I, Donna, Donna loves to hand me the mail, so I'll go through it, and I stack it on the table right next to me. And Winston is a lizard dog. Uh, he has this long tongue. His tongue is about this long. And so Winston will climb up on my lap, and he just sticks his tongue out and grabs envelopes. <laughs> and he'll just lay in my lap and eat paper and envelopes. You know, I mean, he's just, he just, he just all about that. So in case you're a paper eater, you know, you have to come over and meet Winston one of these days. He, he, he loves that. If, if you need paper to eat, I don't know where I am, Ed. I got lost. I got completely lost here. Uh, anyway, <laughs> hang around. We'll give you something to eat if it's a paper plate after church. If you, don't have, if you don't have a group of people that are investing in your life and you're investing in their lives, come to small group tonight. We're, we're going to go through some book studies. We've got three different groups going on. There's a group of men and women that are going to meet together. There's a group of, of people who are going to work on relationships in that love and respect class. There's a group of ladies who are going to meet together. We will serve you dinner and dinner, homemade food. We'll serve you dinner before, and then, and then, we'll, uh, and then we'll sit and we'll have, we'll have a good time of just talking with people and making friends, making friendships, okay? So... Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If you need someone in your life to help you succeed, make some friends. Go to Lobby Life. Come to, come to small groups tonight. Come to, come to uh, the small group on Wednesday night. We have other groups that meet during the week at different times. There's a board out there with those things on them. We want you to make friends. Proverbs 18.24 says this, A man who has friends must himself be friendly. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. What does that mean? It means if you are unfriendly, 
you're probably not going to have anybody that wants to hang out with you. Pretty spiritual, right? This is deep stuff we're talking about. A man who has friends has to be friendly. Sometimes, you know, we kind of take the attitude, I'll just sit over here and see if anybody's friendly to me. I don't understand why people aren't coming and being friendly. Okay? Why aren't people being friendly to me? Guess what? You need to come out of that shell. You've got to make a decision to smile at somebody, to say hi to somebody, to shake somebody's hand. Your best friend may be right here in this sanctuary with you today, but you don't even know them. Reach out. Make a friend. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. Okay, what else? Ecclesiastes 14. If one person falls, the other person can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Has anybody in here ever been in real trouble? There was a period in my life when I was suffering from very deep depression. Just very depressed. I uh, was, I actually went to a counselor. I went to a psychiatrist and talked about my life and and how depressed I was, but we have, I, I have a friend, Donna and I have some friends, who, who uh, Donna, Donna reached out to them and said, Jay's, Jay's really having a struggle right here. This friend flew in from California to check on me, to sit and talk to me, to take me out to dinner and spend a couple of days with me just to try to talk me through it. And, 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 and to try to help me make some good decisions to get myself out of that place of depression that I was living in. A few weeks later, or a few, couple of months later, uh, just, just kind of trying to think my way through that and make good decisions for my life. But man, I was really struggling. And uh, Donna contacted those friends again. Instead of them coming from California to talk to me, they bought me an airline ticket to go to California and spent a week with me just talking to me. What were they doing? They were being friends. Why? Because they had a friend that was in trouble. Here's the deal, guys. If you're alone, when depression comes, you need somebody who cares enough about you that if they have to invest financially to get to you to help you out of the ditch, they will do that. If you don't have a friend like that, then you need to change some things about your lifestyle. Because friends are of great value, and they will help you get out of the ditch, praise God. They will help you get out of the ditch. Ecclesiastes 4.10, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. If you get in, if you get in despair, if you get in trouble, if you're experiencing financial trouble, if you're experiencing marital trouble, if you're, if you're experiencing trouble with just, just, just dealing with, with life itself, you need to have a friend who will sit down and talk with you and help you through that. And if you're living in isolation and you don't have that friend, then you are twice as likely to die as the person who does have friends. What do we need to do? We've got to make a decision. Friendship is worth investing in. Friendship is worth investing in. I've got to get out of my comfort zone because my comfort zone is holding me in bondage. My comfort zone is holding me in bondage. It's keeping me from experiencing the life that God desires for me to have. And so I've got to make some decisions. 
to change that. Proverbs 17, 17 says this, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. What does this mean? A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. When you are in trouble, and none of your friends reach out to help you, when you're experiencing adversity, and there is no one there for you, you have by yourself laid the groundwork for that trouble and that adversity. Because God has given you relationships to help you remove yourself from adversity. And if you don't allow those, those relationships to develop, if you have not invested in people, invested in people, invested in friendships, many times, as I said, we just lay back and wait for God to send somebody to invest in us waiting for somebody to invest in us, we have to make a decision. I'm going to invest in relationships. I am going to be that person who makes friends. I'm going to make friends. I'm going to have somebody who will help me out of the ditch. A brother is born. A friend is there for the time of adversity. And if you don't have a friend, if you don't have a brother, if you don't have somebody who's there for you in the time of adversity, you need to find someone if you get in trouble and none of your friends help you out, then you really don't have any friends. If you need a word from the Lord and none of your friends can speak to you a word from the Lord, then you have the wrong kind of friends. And you may need to make an investment into friendship that will change your life. Develop friendships where someone will help you when you're in the ditch, okay? A real friend is someone who provides warmth when it's cold out. I remember several years ago a um, television show that I was watching, and a bunch of guys were out. Um, and, and they were fishing, so they were, they were floating the river, and they were fishing, and they were going to have this wonderful camping trip, and uh, they turned their boat over, and all of their stuff floated downstream. So they lost, you know, they lost their tent, and they lost their sleeping bags, and they lost their change of clothes. And so they were just, the sun goes down, it's, it's, it's honing in on freezing weather, and they're out here, and they were going to have this great time together, but they're all cold, and they're all wet. And so they're all just laying there, you know, on the rocks, cold and freezing, and they can't start a fire because they don't have the fuel, and they don't have dry wood and everything. And suddenly, a couple of them start getting a little closer to the body, closer to them. And, and at, you know, at first they kind of push one another. And, but, but before the night was over, these four friends were all kind of spooned up together. And, and just as the show was going off, the one guy says, if any of you tell anybody about this, I'll kill you, right? <laughs> the point is, when a person is alone and it's cold, they need somebody to snuggle up with, right? Or to just, just and if it, if it is cold physically or if your life is cold emotionally or your life is cold spiritually, you need someone to help you get warm. You need to, you need to have those kind of people in your life. And guess what? To have those kind of people in your life, you need to have. You need to be making investments into friendships. 
Ecclesiastes 4.11 again. Two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? What else? A real friend is someone who will fight to protect you. A real friend is someone who will fight to protect you. Who will, who will get with you in the struggles. Who will get with you in the hard times. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says... A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Do you have a friend? Do you have some people in your life who will stand back to back with you when you're under attack? Do you have those kind of friendships? If you don't have those kind of friendships, then you need to do something. Well, I think I'm okay. My life's pretty good. I'm not cold right now. I don't need anybody to snuggle with. You know, uh, I'm <laughs> spiritually and emotionally, I'm warm and fuzzy and everything's great in my life. Well, I got news for you. It's not going to stay that way. Jesus said this. It's not a scripture that we quote a lot. You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm, this is my scripture that I'm quoting for today. In this world, you will have trouble. I'm just, you know, thank, thank God today I'm going to have trouble because Jesus promised that, right? That's, that's not when we, you know, I need to put that on my daily list of confessions. In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. No, we're not looking for times of trouble, but the reality is that in this world, you will have trouble. What's the answer to troubled times? Well, Jesus said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, praise God. What was he saying? I'm here for you. I'm going to help you. You need to have someone in the times of trouble who's going to help you, praise God. A person standing alone can be attacked. When trouble comes, when defeat is looking you in the face, two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. What, what's the implication here? If you've got a friend, nobody's going to stab you in the back. Your friend is watching out for you. Your friend is, is guarding your back, right? Within, within the, the uh, realm in which, which the, uh, the, the, uh, in which the writer was speaking here, when Solomon was speaking, uh, warfare didn't usually happen from a mile or two off. Weren't a lot of snipers. It was, it was pretty much one-on-one. -on -one. We're talking knives and swords. So if you got into battle, you needed somebody that you could stand back to back with, somebody who would watch your back and make sure that no one snuck up on you from behind and destroyed you. If you've ever had somebody that you thought was a friend and found that they were talking about you behind your back, if you've ever had somebody that you thought was a friend and they were gossiping about you, they were spreading stories about you, they were spreading lies about you, I just got to tell you today, you're not alone. So what's the mistake in that situation? The mistake is the type of friend that you made. Where you developed a friendship. Uh, we often um, have counseling sessions with people who say, I just can't find anybody decent to date. I, you know, I want to be married, but I can't find anybody decent to marry. My question is always, where are you looking for people? Inevitably, the response is, well, you know, I'm on all the dating sites. Or, you know, I go, I go out every Friday, you know, and have a few drinks and try to meet some people and dance with them and stuff like that. The problem is you're looking for the wrong kind of friends. You need to have somebody who has your back. Not somebody who's looking at you as a piece of meat, 
not somebody who's looking at you for what they can get out of you, but you need to have the kind of friends around you who will invest into your life and empower you, praise God, to make some good choices and experience change. A real friend is committed to helping you grow and experience the life God has for you. They're not just looking for the opportunity to get something off of you. How many of you remember the story of the prodigal son? What happened with the prodigal son? Well, he went to his dad and said, Hey, Dad, I want my inheritance now. And so his father gave him his inheritance, and the, and the scripture says that he went out and spent it on prodigal living. What does that mean? He just went and had parties. The thing about partying when you've got a lot of money is a lot of people will party with you because of the kind of parties you can throw. Right? But then one day all the money was gone. He went to look for his friends and there were no friends. The only thing around was a pig. So he started, he crawled in the pigsty and he started eating what the pigs were eating. Where were all those friends? Well, his money was gone. He bought all kinds of friends, but when when the money ran out and he couldn't rent, ha, do rent a friend anymore, when he couldn't buy the drinks, when he couldn't provide the dinner, when he couldn't provide the party, there were no friends to be found. Why? Because they have already moved on to something else that's better. Who wants to hang out with somebody who can't pay for the party, right? Those were the kind of friends he had developed. A true friend is a friend who's in life with you to help you and to empower you. And if you don't have those kind of friends in your life, then I urge you, find some. Get some. How am I going to do that? You're going to have to invest some time and energy into the process. But that investment of time and energy will pay true dividends. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, As iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens I thought I would never do this, never say this, but I, I just, I just got to tell you this morning, some of you aren't very sharp. Sometimes I'm not very sharp. People who aren't sharp make stupid decisions over and over again, and nobody, you know, says, hey. We need to find someone who will help us get sharp. As iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. Proverbs 18.24 says this, there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. God-given friendships will provide you with the strength, with the energy, and with the insight that you need to grow and experience the life that God has for you. God doesn't want you to live your life in isolation. One of the first things that God said about mankind was it's not good for man to be alone. Don't live a solitary life. Invest in friend-making. And when you invest in friend-making, that doesn't mean that you're buying another round at the bar. Find the kind of people who will help you, who will empower you, who will strengthen you, who will make you sharper rather than the people who make you duller. Find the people who you can not only laugh with and have fun with, but who empower you spiritually. Find those people develop those kind of friendships because they're life-giving. There's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Jesus said this in John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this 
than to lay down one's life for his friends. Do you have a friend who will lay down his life for you? Do you have a friend who said, yeah, well, I was going to do this tonight, but if you need my help, I'll be there. That's great love. I'm not going to follow the plans I'd make. I'm not going to do what I needed to do. My friend had other things he needed to do in California when he flew out here. He had other things he could have spent his money on when he flew me to California and and took me around to the to uh, the to to the redwoods and the and and to see uh, what's going on out there and just help me to have some time to relax and, and experience the work of God again. Sometimes we need somebody who will give up what they have to help us live. So, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Probably none of us um, know somebody who literally laid down their life for us in the natural realm. But I want to talk to you lastly, just before we leave this morning, about someone who did that very thing. There is someone who cares about you so much, who loves you so much, who wants so badly for you to experience life, not just to exist, but to thrive. Somebody who, somebody who said, for God so loved the world that he gave his son, that whoever trusts in him wouldn't die, but experience life. Jesus is a manifestation of, of who God is. He came as to manifest and to help us see and know and understand and experience God in the flesh. He laid down his life for us. Jesus died on a cross to help you get out from under what is killing you. Whatever hard thing is going on in your life, whatever tough thing, whatever, whatever you're experiencing in life that is negative, and, and that is coming against you, you have a friend in heaven who wants to see you come out from under that, to come out from under the burden, to come out from under the fear, to come out from under the oppression. And Jesus loves you. God himself loves you so much that he has laid down his life for you. And the good news is he's a God that won't turn his back on us. He is a true friend, the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's the one who will never leave us or forsake us, Hebrews 13, 5. It says, God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. There is that kind of friend for you. And that friend is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That friend is found in a relationship with God. So as much as I've talked to you this morning about investing in earthly friendships, investing in the people around you and developing friends who will help you to experience life to the greatest degree. I just have to tell you this morning that without Jesus, without a relationship with the Almighty God, you will never experience the true freedom that God desires for you to experience. You'll never experience the life of prosperity and sex, success, sex and success that, that, God, that God wants you to There's a God in heaven who loves you. He wants to be that friend that sharpens you and helps you to experience the best life you could possibly live. And so we invite you today, if you have never 
made Jesus the Lord of your life. If you've never experienced him, well, we're, we're going to, in just a second, just take some time to worship here at the end of our service. We invite you to come and pray with us. If you've never, if you've never received Jesus, if you've never made Jesus the, uh, the Lord of your life, we're going to have some people up here who are willing to be a friend to you today. They're going to come and just stand up here and, and be here to pray with you. If you need somebody just to pray with you today, someone to strengthen you, someone to help you, we want you to know that God loves you and we love you and we want to help you experience the life that God has for you. Stand up with me if you will. Let's pray. Father, in the